Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning into this podcast during this season of Lent. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details of how to do so in the accompanying text. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Mary took a pound of costly ointment of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair.
be with you. Please be seated. A very warm welcome to St. Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the fifth Sunday of Lent, which is Passion Sunday. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you'll feel that you are very much part of the St. Bride's family. We begin now with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us then show our love for him by confessing our sins in penitence and faith. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate faults. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, Forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Most merciful God, who by the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, delivered and saved the world. Grant that by faith in him who suffered on the cross, we may triumph in the power of his victory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, 
who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing, now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honour me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A reading from the letter to the Philippians. If any other man thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as refuse in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own based on law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that if possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brethren, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, 
where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at table with him. Mary took a pound of costly, of costly ointment of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. As he had the money box, he used to take what was put into it. Jesus said, Let her alone. Let her keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. It was on the 9th of September 1547, here at St Bride's, that all the images of the saints, the great crucifix that would have hung on the traditional rood screen that would have stood before our altar, and all the other visible trappings of Catholicism were systematically removed from the medieval church that then stood on this site. The vicar here at the time, John Cardmaker, was a leading Protestant reformer who embraced such changes with enthusiasm. So I suspect that little violence or active protest was involved, from him at least. But that was by no means always the case. Indeed, one of the features of the Reformation that I used to find most baffling was how it was that ordinary lay people who had grown up venerating the images of the saints with the utmost devotion suddenly started not only tearing them down, but in some cases actually smashing them up, desecrating priceless works of craftsmanship and artistry in the process. Any of you who have visited the Lady Chapel at Ely Cathedral will know that its walls are lined with statues of the saints, each of which has been savagely decapitated, apart from the one that they accidentally overlooked. So why the sudden switch from utter devotion to rage and destruction? That kind of extreme reversal of behaviour is the classic response of a person or a group of people who feel that they have been betrayed, who feel that they have been had. Which is why, tragically, most murders happen within families, because the deeper the bond of love, the greater its potential to turn to hatred and destruction, particularly when a sense of betrayal lies at the heart of that. And it seems to me that this is also a key to understanding one of the most perplexing figures in the gospel, the disciple Judas, 
whose conduct begs so many questions. How could a man who was one of the twelve, one of the hand-picked followers of Jesus, who had given up everything to follow him, one who knew Jesus intimately, who had heard his stories and witnessed his miracles, how could a man in such a position turn against Jesus and betray him and bring about his death, as Judas did? Conversely, if Judas truly was the out-and-out bounder that history has consistently judged him to be, why was Jesus, who was normally so extraordinarily insightful, so completely lacking in judgment as to choose him, of all people, to be one of his trusted inner circle? I've always felt that Judas, a man who has been vilified throughout Christian history, is in fact a greatly misunderstood character. The reason is this. If you look at the way in which Judas is portrayed in each of the four Gospels, in the likely order in which they were written, you can observe how, as new details and layers of interpretation are added on top of the original story, the character of Judas is progressively blackened. So much so that by the time we get to St. John's Gospel, almost certainly the last of the four to be written, we are told expressly, as we heard a moment ago, that Judas was a thief and a liar. I think we need to go back to the earliest of the four Gospels, St. Mark, to start to piece together what is truly going on here. And the explanation that he suggests for Judas's betrayal is very different from that of John. Mark seldom gives outright explanations for anything in his gospel. What he does instead is to juxtapose events and stories in a way that leaves us, his hearers, to make the connections, to draw the conclusions ourselves. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear, is the constant refrain of his gospel which is what we too need to do. And so in Mark's gospel, the story of the anointing of Jesus at Bethany, a version of which we heard today, is pivotal to our understanding of why Judas betrays him. In Mark chapter 14, we're told that the chief priests and the scribes are looking for a way to kill Jesus. Immediately after that, we hear the story of the anointing of Jesus by an unnamed woman, in his account, at a house in Bethany. St. Mark describes how some of those present were appalled at the profligate waste of money that this woman's actions represented. That precious ointment was worth a fortune. It could have been sold. The money could have been used to help the poor. And yet that foolish woman has broken open the flask that contains it and has poured it on his head. But if her action was scandalous, the response of Jesus must have seemed even more shocking to his disciples. Because far from agreeing with them and stopping her or rebuking her for what she has done as they expected him to, Jesus actually rebukes them instead. Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a great service for me. For you always have the poor with you, 
and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Those of us who know the story of the crucifixion and death of Jesus can now glimpse the true significance of what she has done. Jesus' body cannot be anointed for burial after his death because the women who go to the tomb to do that very thing find the stone, the stone rolled away and his body gone. But at the time of the anointing at Bethany, none of the onlookers knew that, of course. And in the absence of that foreknowledge, just think about what the anointing and Jesus' response to it must have looked like to those who witnessed it. Imagine that you are one of the disciples and have given up everything to follow this charismatic figure who preaches a gospel of love and grace and commitment to the poor and the marginalized, the one whom you believe to be the promised saviour. And yet here he is, sitting back, relishing this woman's attentions, basking in being anointed with the most expensive perfumed ointment imaginable and even more outrageously actually rebuking you for challenging this squandering of money and resources. How do you respond? Does a terrible doubt suddenly creep into your mind? Have you been wrong all along about this man the man for whom you have given up everything. Have you been had? Is he, after all, nothing more than another charlatan, just like all the other pretend messiahs? Is this Jesus a fraud? Because it is at this point that Mark tells us that Judas Iscariot goes straight to the scribes and the chief priests and offers to betray Jesus. Judas does not ask them for money to do so, as he does in St. Matthew's Gospel, where he says to them, what will you give me if I betray him to you? And it's Matthew, incidentally, who introduces the idea of the 30 pieces of silver, a motif that St. Matthew has borrowed from Old Testament prophecy. No, in St. Mark's Gospel, the earliest version, it is the scribes and the chief priests who offer money to Judas. It's that way round. In other words, we are left in little doubt in St. Mark's version of events that the reason why Judas betrays Jesus is because Judas is suddenly and chillingly afraid that he has himself been betrayed. Hence his determination to destroy the man he loved. And the sequence of events that Judas sets in motion is one that he is then unable to stop. Indeed, according to St. Matthew, on seeing Jesus condemned to death, Judas is so overcome with grief and remorse at the realization of what he has done that he returns the blood money to the chief priests, hurling it down before them in the temple, and he then goes and he hangs himself. Which is why we should weep 
for Judas. We should weep for a man who got it all so terribly and tragically wrong, who destroyed the man that he loved, and who, having recognised the enormity of what he has done, found that he could no longer live with himself. But one final observation about the story of the anointing at Bethany. As followers of Christ, we are called to make a difference to God's world through our service to the poor and the marginalised, and to challenge the structures of injustice and oppression as an essential part of our discipleship. But unless we can also recognise our need to sit at the feet of Christ and to honour him and to weep for our own sins and the sins of our world, we would be dealing with the symptoms but not the true causes of that injustice. And it is Christ's saving death, the death for which the woman at Bethany anointed him in St Mark's Gospel, it is that saving death that lies at the heart of our hope of redemption. In a short and very beautiful poem, Laura Inman weaves together the themes of the anointing, the Last Supper, and the crucifixion with these extraordinary words. Only a broken flask, but through her love, a fragrance stole upon the evening air, and Christ was honoured there. Only a broken loaf, but from his hands a food sufficient for the souls of men was offered to them then. Only a broken life, but from that cross a love went forth in power, born of his darkest hour. A flask, a loaf, a life with love infused. Are all things broken that are greatly used? Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory, to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. 
we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have promised to hear the prayers of all who ask in faith. May the church created for your service in ministry and love and praise be strengthened in that service to your glory. Support and inspire all who teach and all who keep the gospel message alive in this troubled world. Bless all who join the church in faith and all who prepare for their confirmations this Easter, especially those from our own community. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. May we relearn all that we have forgotten about the rhythm of the natural world, and may our expectations of what it can provide be more appropriate to the needs of the many rather than the desires of the privileged. May we learn to use the Earth's resources sustainably. Bless all your creation and those who strive to protect it for the good of all. We pray for all areas of conflict and war particularly that in Ukraine. We pray for all the innocent victims, those displaced and separated from their families, from their friends and their homeland, those who have lost their homes and their property, and those who have lost their lives and their loved ones. We pray your love and support on them and on those who have opened their hearts and their homes to welcome them to safety. Open the ears, the eyes and the hearts of those in authority to broker peace and reconciliation and bring this conflict of power to a swift and lasting conclusion. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless us, our families, our friends, and all who form our communities. Bless all who provide for our needs and who keep us safe, all who are there when we need them. Give us grace to recognize you at work through the hand of a stranger, that we too might offer ourselves as an instrument to do your work. Bless this community of St. Bride's and its work on Fleet Street. Bless our ministry to journalists and all associated with news media. We pray for all who make this ministry possible. For the rector, wardens and PCC, for the guild, the choir and the church staff, and for the support of all who maintain it in prayer, in governance and in finance. Lord, in your mercy, 
hereafter. Bless all who suffer in sickness of body, mind, or spirit. All who wait for treatment. All who go through a time of healing. All who have suffered from injustice or cruelty. And all who will carry the scars of their encounters with life. We pray for those we know in our families, our circle of friends, and for all those strangers who have no one to pray for them. Bring them comfort, healing, and hope for the future. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who have died, both recently and in our year's mind, that they may have eternal life through the power of Christ's resurrection. For mothers, fathers, sons and daughters. For friends, colleagues and partners. All children of our Heavenly Father. Remembering the love, the laughter, the sadness shared, and the joys of friendship. Lifetimes together and moments cherished, all held in our memories, in our hearts, and now in the care and the protection of our Heavenly Father. May they rest in your love and rise in your glory. Merciful Father, accept, accept these, prayers these prayers for the, the sake, sake of your, your Son, our, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. Will you please stand? Once we were far off, but now in union with Christ Jesus, we have been brought near through the shedding of Christ's blood, for he is our peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which were earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And now we give you thanks, because for our salvation, he was obedient even to death on the cross. The tree of shame was made the tree of glory, and where life was lost, there life has been restored. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who, in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts, in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your, holy, by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, 
so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. Let us pray. 
Lord Jesus Christ, you have taught us that what we do for the least of our brothers and sisters, we do also for you. Give us the will to be the servant of others as you were the servant of all and gave up your life and died for us, but are alive and reign now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
Christ crucified, draw you to himself to find in him a sure ground for faith, a firm support for hope, and the assurance of sins forgiven, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. So, yeah.